0: So we're starting a new series this week. We're going to start following along with a book called The Other Half yes. of Church. Thank you, Tom. Um, and uh, kind of like give you the, the whole kind of main idea right now. The premise of this book is that growth and change, um, character transformation, uh, maturity comes from deep, intimate relationship with God and one another. That's it. So... But we'll talk a bit about this because um, it, it talks about how God made our brains for relationship, and why that's significant. It's through relationship that we grow. It also talks a little bit about how we, and I'm referring to like primarily the white evangelical church in America, kind of has gotten this wrong and missed the boat. So Now, I'm not saying that FCBC has. There's a lot of things at this church over the years that have integrated some of these principles, but there's more that we can learn. Um, and as we kind of engage in this, our hope is that this will help us prepare for what's next, even though we're not exactly sure what that is yet. We have some ideas, we, we have some possibilities, but we're not completely sure. So what I want you to do first, though, is turn to Philippians chapter 2. Um, you can use a Bible if you have one, or use your phone Bible app or you can just listen along. And I'm using this, we're, gonna, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about this passage. Some call this the great hymn of Christ. Uh, we're going to spend more time using this to help make a point about how we, why, why, how we grow, and, and we're going to discuss that a bit together. But this is the place I felt like we needed to start as I was praying about it. Um, and as I've discussed this, um, these principles with other people in my work, Um, This passage, in some ways, and we'll see it more as we get towards the end, kind of of defines exactly what we're moving towards. A transformed, loving community that looks more and more like Jesus. So So Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 2. I'll go slow if you don't have it. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy. Make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. And let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited or grasped. But he emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that at the name of jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue should confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory of the father therefore my beloved just as you have always obeyed me not only in my presence but more much more now in my absence Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at who is at work in you, enabling you um, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Amen. So one of my favorite passages um, in all of Scripture, one that I've memorized, not in this particular version. In fact, I don't even know what version I did here. <laughs> I was reading it through going, this doesn't seem familiar. <laughs> you know how it is when you're preparing something. Sometimes you're not paying attention on a Bible app. Um, but um, one of my favorite passages because it shows the true love of God, right? Because he was willing to come down to earth, take on the form of a man, humble himself, and become obedient to death um, on a cross. So simple questions that I asked for us to kind of talk about together. As you look at this passage, and just take a minute to reflect on it, what other characters, characteristics of Christ's character are mentioned or described in this passage? These are simple questions, just to get us to talk and to make a point. Humility. Humility. Obedience. Human. Sorry? Human. Human? Hard work, goodness, goodness. Sacrifice. yeah, self-sacrifice, looking others or looking out for others. yeah, yeah, care, right, tenderness, concern, compassion, is the word, right? Relationship. Yeah, yeah, shows that he is about relationship, right? And his willingness to become a man. Yeah. Love, compassion, tenderness, joy, humility, selflessness, obedience, self sacrifice, right? Those are all character traits of Christ described in this passage. And in this passage, we're clearly told to be like Christ in these ways. So here's a question for you, and you can talk this, about this with someone sitting next to you. How is that working out for you in this COVID season? How is that working out for us? Where have you seen success? And where are you seeing failure? Try to figure out both. Just spend a couple minutes talking with people around you. These, how are you seeing these character traits of Christ displayed in us, the church? Anyone want to share?
1: This has been a challenging time for me personally and uh, because of the uh, virus and I've been spending more time by myself That I think it's been safer to be by, by myself than with groups of people and uh, but still have to stay focused on God and all times and still focus on spending time in the word uh, evening by evening and but we just have to uh, adjust to the situation and make the most uh, best
0: we can do right now and okay anyone else? how's it working out for you? Displaying the character of Christ, they're experiencing it in others.
2: It's been very difficult for me um, in a in a workplace culture that is um, constantly um, criticizing others. Um, It's hard to to fight that to to think and you know really think. I make mistakes too. I'm not perfect. I'm human. I'm just like them. There's no reason I should be thinking that I'm better than them or that I should even you know, say things to criticize others. And um, so I, this is encouraging me to continue to fight that <laughs> and continue to try to be humble and not listen to others' criticism.
0: Yeah. Amen.
1: Um, I just wanted to bear witness to the actions of a good friend of mine um, who now lives near Bloomington, Illinois. And in our group of friends, she is the most conservative. Um, They're in an E-free church. Um, Probably have a lot of anti-vaxxers in their lives. And yet we remain close friends. And basically, she and her husband have gotten vaccinated, have gotten boosted, have still all those concerns about government and we have lively conversations when we get together about politics, et cetera. But because of her ministry to this local shelter for um, women who've been trafficked, human trafficking organization, I can't remember the name of it, I'm sorry but because of those contacts and to enable her to maintain those contacts and to come and go in her church and in her family, they test, they're vaccinated. And it's sort of an interesting humility. It's like, it's more important than politics. It's more important than what the people around her, her conservative circle are doing. What's important to her is to be able to go all places at all times with all people including people you don't know, but you suspect are probably not getting good health care. I think that is outstanding to me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My guess is it's probably easy to think of the negative stuff and harder to think of the positive because there's so much out there in media that's negative, especially about Christians in general. And some of it we definitely deserve. Right? But there are good things happening. There are people trying their hardest to you know, live humbly uh, for Christ in this way. But it's not easy. It's been, And it's been, I found it exceptionally more difficult in this environment than ever before in my life. And I'm guessing that's probably true for most of us here. I've never seen the church so divided. Um, I've never seen so many people walk away from the faith as I have over the past two years. Um I've never seen so much struggle, and I've never struggled as much myself to try to, to be humble and to love people and had God call me out time and time again. You know, I, I think of this one situation, I was really struggling with someone in particular. I'm going through this study on a weekly basis. It's like a daily retreat with the Lord is what it's called. And in um, it with uh, one other guy and a spiritual director, and in, we're we're studying this idea of desolation and consolation. We've talked about this before. Desolation is when is this idea an Ignatian idea of walking away from God. Consolation is this idea of walking with Him. And the Lord said to me about this person loving this person in their difficulty is consolation, because that's where I'm at, and that's what I'm calling you to do as well, right? But it's hard. It's really hard. And so how do we do this? How is this possible? How can we grow and change and become more like Christ? just want you to think about that for a minute. I'm going to talk a little bit about it. This is by no means complete. I'm, I'm guessing I'll be missing a few things. But these are things, some of these are pointed out in the book, but I'll talk about them really quickly. Um, I think growing up, my experience had always been, and because I grew up in a church that really loved Jesus, really uh, strongly taught the truth of god's word but struggled with holy spirit right that the way forward to grow was to know the truth to know the scripture and to apply it to your life right um it so it was kind of this idea of truth plus will equals transformation right um and how well does that work you know i think in the end i i realized it really didn't help me even though i think it had the it had the 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 uh, some good stuff in it it wasn't complete I think it's become even more clear in our current reality. Um, and this, this doesn't just work in our personal lives. It works on a corporate level as well, right? So when you think about growing the kingdom of God, if it was just about knowing what was right to do and doing it, and that was what would grow the kingdom of God, I think we'd see a lot more growth than we currently do. Um, my supervisor and a good friend of mine who works with InterVarsity, um, he uh, and, and is very strategic-minded, Right, com- he just he's he for his uh, his application to become the regional director, which by the way happened in January of 2020. That's when he became the new regional director. It's a perfect time to become that. He wrote he wrote a a seven page or longer like strategic plan for the region. Like he wrote these and he had plan and he had ideas and thoughts and that was just the beginning. I think it was the outline and the other stuff he had. He had this folder he would carry around with him with the strategic plan that he was thinking about he was really excited about putting this into place january 2020 came february 2020 came and at some point i think uh he he realized he had to throw his folder away because his plans really didn't matter i mean the plans were good right They were about you know outreach on campus and bible studies and sharing the gospel right and all those things really matter but but there was something missing uh, especially in our current climate, because instead of growing, and this is true for most of us, we our region shrunk by 40% over the course of, the, of a year and a half. The COVID hits and, and things were out of his control, right? You realize at some point with this whole idea of knowing the truth and applying it to your life, that there's still a lot that's out of your control, right? You can't do anything with. Um, I think I experienced this myself. um uh, this tendency. I know there's more, right? I know we need more. I know that we really need the power of God as well, right? That's the next thing I want to talk about. But, but often when I find myself in a desperate situation, when there's something that I can't fix or make right, um, I ask the Lord, what do I need to do in order to fix this? Do any of you do that? And how can I fix this problem? You know what the Lord always says to me? I always get the same answer. I've just given up asking the question. <laughs> Love me. That's his response, always. Right? Love me. Or sometimes he says, I love you. What? Seriously? That doesn't help me. You know, I know I need the truth. I need a plan so that I can act on my will and I can make this right. Right? It doesn't work that way, right? So we we recognize at some point in our lives, we're all as Christians, we do a believer. Some of us get this early on. If you grew up in an environment where you you acknowledge the power of God, but it, you did feel like it was a lot of your responsibility. It was only later that you really encountered Holy Spirit. Then you began to recognize, oh, I really need power. Power is what's going to make the difference, right? We want the power of God. We want the greater gifts, right? We want the we want His presence, the truth. We want to be able to manifest God so that others can see Him. Um, and uh, you know the 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 problem with this is. At some point, we we, we separate the power of God from the person, right? And I I don't know how how you say it, but we forget that that it's not God's power he gives us, but his presence. And with his presence comes his power, right? And when he gives us his gifts, it's his gifts being expressed through his presence in us in order that we can fulfill the purposes for which he has called us to, right? Right? And so the only way that the power of God uh, can be made present is with us is when God is with us and we're in relationship with him and yet sometimes we separate that and we're seeking the power I don't mean this in a bad way at all um, just just you know and I know sometimes I misunderstand where people are coming from um, but I do see this sometimes in our desire uh, and I'm not saying us but in the desire to see the gifts move forward i want I personally want to see god's gifts move forward. But I see that too, because again, I think it's the separation. And when I, when I experience this in myself, this is how it happens. So recently I began experiencing this reality of when I pray for people, they're healed. Now I haven't seen major healings, but I'm seeing, you know, backs healed, you know, painful places healed. It's happened several times. It happens frequently. I, pray, I last week I shared this story, right? A staff from Campus Crusade texts me, the lord immediately tells me what the issue is i call her up and i say you need to do this right so she does it she's still in pain the lord says tell her to do this basically she said repent i knew exactly what you needed to repent for i called her up and said here's what you need to repent for she repented for it. the pain was gone and, and even plantar fasciitis pain she'd had for a year that was mostly gone too right that's crazy stuff here's where i run into a problem when I start to wonder if I have to pray a certain way in order for the healing to take place, when I go to pray for someone and I think I better make this right or do this right, right? Now I'm back to there's a way, there's a you know to do it, um, and that I have to follow that procedure, or I start to wonder is this really more about me than it is about God, and I get caught up in that whole trap, right? Um, and I I can't say I I've, I've made heads or tails of it, but it was something about that quote that I said from Henry Nouwen at the beginning, right? You know, um, and how did he put it? He put it like this, like, I'll read it again. Um, He said, said, for most of my life, I've struggled to find God, to know God, to love God. I've tried hard to follow the guidelines of a spiritual life, right? There we are again. I have these guidelines I have to follow. And to avoid the temptations uh, that come at me, and I failed... And, and, you know, and again, try it again, even when I was close to despair, but now in this time of my life, I wonder whether I have sufficiently realized, I'm going to take this off, I forgot I could do that. I've sufficiently realized that during all this time, God was, has been trying to find me, to know me, to love me. The question was not how am I to find God or how am I to know God or how am I to love God, but how am I to let him find me? How am I to let him know me? How am I to let myself be loved by him? right? This is this weird kind of shift, and I'm not exactly sure, because I'm still trying to grasp it. But but the answer isn't found in seeking, like trying to do it. The answer isn't found in seeking power, right? The answer is found, and this is what the book will talk about some more, in attaching yourself to Jesus. And I just mean you personally, I mean us together as well, like attaching to Jesus. And he's us, the guy who wrote this book is a He's a, um, he has a PhD in, in theology and in uh, psychology, so he's kind of well-trained, right? Um, anyway, he's, he uses psych- psychological words for attachment, but attachment is a secure, deep emotional bond with another person, all right? Typically, we use attachment attachment theories around a mother or, or a parent attaching to a child, right? Because what they found is that an attachment in having that secure bond, it's really helped for the child, it makes a much healthier a mentally healthy environment in which they can grow that 's what we all need. We all need a healthy attachment, but even as adults, we need a healthy attachment too to others and to the lord and what and what they say in the book, and I totally agree is that the answer isn 't found in 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 knowing the truth and the will that 's important right We need that that 's important aspect. The answer isn't found in power, that's important, but we can't separate those things from the person of Jesus Christ. And that what we need is to be attached to him, and to be attached to him, that relationship to him and to each other. You know, I think John chapter 17 tries to describe this when it explains this idea, right, of being, being one being united together in one. God God and me and me and you and you and him. And, it's, and you're reading this and you're like, it makes no sense to me, right? It, well, that's kind of where we're at, right? It's this holy mystical union that we're talking about, like the Trinity that we're being invited to be a part of and to have that deep and to be connected to or attached to God in a deep, intimate way beyond even what you can experience with another human being, right? A deep, intimate connection because that... That's what transforms us. So again, back to psychology, what are they finding? Attachment helps us become healthy people. If you want healing for issues around issues of attachment, let's say you had some problems with it when you were young, or even now addictions, problems with addictions that you might have, the answer is found not in walking through a list of things to do. The answer is found in a strong Loving relationship with someone else and being attached to them in a trusting way. So some of the advantages of being in a secure attached relationship, and this is often thought of between a married couple, right? Um, uh, people who are securely attached desire closeness and enjoy emotional and physical intimacy, right? People who are securely attached are emotionally available to each other and aware of their each other's feelings, and they share them openly and have empathy for their partner's feelings. They support and respect each other and make each other feel safe and protected. They communicate openly and honestly and work together to resolve problems rather than escalate conflict. They are flexible and willing to adapt. They can see things from their partner's point of view and accept feedback without feeling criticized or controlled. This is, of course, perfect, but we're working towards that, right? They can forgive their partner and themselves for mistakes and hurtful behavior. And they feel secure about their sexual relationship, understanding that sex is a part of emotional intimacy, not merely physical. Right? This is really healthy, right, when you think about it. And we're talking about some of these same things in our relationship with Jesus and even more. Why did I use Ephesians chapter 3 this morning? Because this is exactly what it talks about. Look at this passage again. I'll read this as I read it when I prayed at the beginning. This is what Paul's prayer was. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, with love as your foundation, may have the power, the ability, the strength, right, together with all of God's holy people to grasp, that means know in your head, right, how wide and long and deep is the love of Christ, just how big it is, how great it is, and to know, this means intimately, like husband and wife know each other, right? The love, this love that surpasses knowledge, is greater than the knowledge that our head can even begin to understand. That you may be full to the measure of the fullness of God. Why? Because God is love and we're experiencing in some way the greatness of who God is as we experience his love. This is what we're being invited into, and this is kind of what we want as we move into this new season. Now, this isn't new for us, but we recognize it's been exceptionally hard for all of us in this season to to grow in these places. And we need to, be, to start to challenge one another, to attach better to Jesus. And we need to do that not just alone, but to, together as a community. Next week, I'll be talking more about how we can attach and, and experience in that attachment joy, which is one of the fruits of the Spirit, right? Which is something that also comes from attaching to Jesus. You want to express the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, right? Attach to Jesus, John, John 15, right? 5 says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If a man or person remains in me and I in him, they can bear much fruit, right? Again, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Without, right? Without me, you can do nothing, right? Attach to me and you'll experience fruit. S- remain in me and you'll experience fruit, right? That's how the passage goes. And if you don't, you're, g- you're going to be frustrated. You're not going to experience what you want. This life is not going to be what you had hoped it would be. Um, We see this expressed like, I think Philippians, again, describes, uh, chapter 2, describes what God wants us to be like. Remember, loving, compassionate, tender, joy-filled, humble, selfless, obedient, right? Um, Sacrificial with our lives that can only happen when Jesus is present within us and changing us. And he gives us the ability to love those who are difficult to love, right? To be in consolation, as I said. To forgive those who deeply hurt us. To give, to give up those things that are not the best for us. And to trust him and all that he has for us. Scott and Linda and I were talking about this. And as I mentioned these things to them, you know, Scott said, and he's not here, I can share a story. He said, I didn't come to Christ because someone proved to me that God, he was God. There wasn't some, you know, um, like apologetic, a discussion that we had that convinced me that jesus was real and then i gave my life to him it was a it was a personal relationship with a friend of his who was talk, telling me with an analogy of of who god was and i realized i needed a relation that relationship in my life i needed what he was offering how many of you is tr- that's true for you as well right we could probably all raise our hands on some level for me it was the same thing i accepted christ um, because of a acc- personal encounter with his love and forgiveness in college through a group of students at Indiana University. Right? That's how I met Christ. Um, and it wasn't because of great preaching or Bible study that that I was in, all of those things helped, but it was that a personal encounter with Christ through the love that really made a difference. Linda, do you, did she, I lost Linda. <laughs> it's too bad. I was gonna ask Linda to share, she, she shared a, 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 just a, um, a a memory she had of having read, was it Dostoevsky? Is that how you pronounce his name? A story of his that I thought was really relevant for this as well, comparison uh, the, an intellect versus um, uh, kind of just a compassion or an experience. Both are important, but in this case. The, Linda, share that story of uh, D- Dostoevsky. Yeah. Uh, here, you want to come up here and grab the mic? And I'll put on my mask, so. Um, in the
2: Brothers Karamazov, written by Dostoevsky, he um compares these these brothers are involved, and one is a very intellectually sharp atheist. And he's sitting across with his other brother who's not as sharp as him, but he's a religious novice and he is trying to pursue God. And um Ivan, the atheist brother is just you know, telling his younger brother, all the things he's seen that proved to him that God doesn't really care, God's not there, and is trying to push him. And then Aloysia, his brother, just leans forward and gives him a kiss. And it's just enough to like really dissolve all of his arguments in some way, or give him some trouble, because there's an action and attachment versus just his intellectual reasoning. So, it's a powerful moment.
0: <laughs> yeah, so Sometimes you can, can be convinced of something, but in a relationship that you have with someone else, you can encounter the love of God, and it can make you recognize or realize, maybe I was wrong. Maybe what I was believing were based on false things. Um, I don't, you know, I, this past week, I've I read Facebook posts. I don't like Facebook that much, but I read it um, from two... Um, Uh, young people that I've known for a while and seen growing up who recently have just said, that's it, I'm done. disillusion in the church, and I think it's a lack of attachment to Jesus. And even more, I think it's a lack of attachment to each other because knowing both of these cases, both of these people did not talk about their doubts with any other Christians until they were all the way far down the road. Right? We do that a lot, right? We have these issues, these questions that come up, but we don't, we're not attached. We're not in a close enough relationship with other Christians to trust them enough to, to right? That's one of the things about about being an attached relationship is, is that you trust each other. You open and freely share your feelings. We're not in those kinds of relationships. We don't. We find ourselves changing. Pretty soon we're so different from the people that we've been with. We feel like we're in a different place. I mean, both of them, I've seen this in the one, in the one person, you may know who I'm talking about, wrote, I, I feel like church is no longer my home. And then a lot of the other people who were on there, like, yeah, I feel the same way too. Well, what happened? You went down the road without us. You went ahead of us without bringing us along. You didn't invite us into your process. You found yourself somewhere else anymore and you, you're lost. You don't feel like that. You feel like you found a new home instead. Maybe you did. But you never really gave i don't know that you ever really gave god a chance or you ever really knew him you want to say something right yeah what didn't work yeah but no i know what you mean right yeah like what didn't work what about it didn't work for you and why you know and i think we we have we have to do this even as others around us and this is very common right now are deconstructing we as a church need to do that too right we need to talk and say like is this a god thing or is this a cultural thing can we honestly define that and say okay it's a cultural thing it's okay but it's a cultural thing right or it's a cultural thing maybe we shouldn't do this anymore right right and here what is this this is a god thing or here's a god thing we're not we're not doing right we're back to this idea of of attaching to jesus together not just alone we need to do together this is who we need to be defined as so when you think about our church it needs to be more about being defined as who we are together than about who we're not that's and and i i've been reading those who we are statements comes right out of this book that we're going to be discussing in this idea of creating a group identity based on who we want to become right based on what it means to be a group of people attached together to jesus so so I'm gonna, I'm just gonna bring this to a close. This is just the beginning, an intro to this. Please read this book um, and, you know, read it. Try not to read it too critically. Read it within mo- with a mindset that what we're doing here is we're trying to attach together, right? And attach to Jesus. We're trying to be become more one. We're trying to grow in love. We're trying to allow God to transform us. And one of the main premises of this book, the other half of church, it really, it, they, he uses this um language about the left brain the right brain okay now now some people are very happy with this and i think in the world of psychology this really works in the world of neuroscience it doesn't so and i and just i'm just going to give this disclaimer because someone already already talked with me about it and i say okay I, i i read some things that and I, and, I, and I listened to some things, and I think I have a way forward for this. So neurology is constantly learning new things. And the principles upon which this book, the brain science that this book was written on, was from the late 90s. We've learned a lot since then, right? And, and it's not that it's, it's actually said none of this is true. But I think the biggest, thing, the biggest thing is, first of all, the person who put this study together was himself a psychiatrist, not a neurologist. He studied, he's a doctor, right? He studied brain science, he's a neuropsychologist, which is an interesting mesh between neurology and psychology. Um, but he also did it with his wife who's a clinical social worker, and they, I think they were working on a foundation or a basis that was somewhat old, that you can easily kind of delineate the brain into this side does this and this part does this, right? Well, what they're finding now is there are parts of the brain that are really important, for certain functions like the left frontal prefrontal cortex is really important for language learning and growth if you damage that part of your brain you have a real problem with language but other parts of the brain are also important for language development and usage it's not just that right same thing with math they thought the again the math that's it's the logical side it's the left side of the brain right well guess what the right side of the brain also helps you with math too so it's a lot more complex than that i just want to say that as you read it Read that with the knowledge and understanding. They're trying to make it easy to grasp and understand. But the truth is, it's a lot more complex. I I, I listened to one neurologist say, um, the only way to describe how the brain works, like how it functions, like this part does this and this part does this, is with high level math. So basically, I can't explain it to you in a way you'd understand. (laughs) That's what he said. And I'm like, okay, all right, I accept that. But that doesn't mean the principles in this book are wrong right? The principles are right, right? One of the main principles being that, that, um, that, it's, that we learn and grow and are transformed, not just by knowledge, but by, also by experience. At, to combine together with the power of God, right? To help and to lead us through and to give us per, perspective. Uh, some of the stuff that I've been doing in the area of prayer ministry is actually built on this model as its foundation. And I see transformation happen all the time. With people, why? Because what the first step is they 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 attune. Attunement is a is a is a deep relational connection with God. It's a it's an important aspect of attachment. Okay. Hopefully you already are attached, but you attune to Him. He attunes to you, right? You you have a relationship. You begin to talk, and then you take the person through a, tr- a traumatic experience, a past memory, and as they do that, God gives them new perspective. Here's here's how I want you to see this. This is why this. This is why this happened, or here's how I feel about this, right? And as they do that, their brain changes. Like they're they actually this is scientifically proven, neuroplasticity. The brain changes, and the reason you know this is because when they when they would go through that trauma or that trauma would come up in the past, whether consciously or subconsciously, it would trigger things in them, unhealthy, toxic behavior, right? And now when those things happen, for most people, those toxic behaviors don't take place anymore. Instead. Instead, those experiences have been taken by Holy Spirit, right through this process that includes attachment and attunement and brought to a place where they help a person grow. What I can learn something from this. I learn more about God, I learn more about who I am, I'm able to forgive someone who hurt me, just whatever it might be, and that leads to a better place. That's the idea, right. Anyway, so this book. This book doesn't have all the answers for us. It just has some. But one of the key things about this book is, as you read it, we make sure you're in a small a house group to do it, is that you put into practice what it talks about. You begin to practice that with yourself, with the Lord, and with each other, right? Growing in attachment and attunement, I'll use that word as well, um, moving forward. And, and just so you know, um, we are looking at the possibility of having a, a new group for anyone who doesn't have a house group. And we're trying to figure out right now, I'll lead that group, whether that group will meet on Sundays after church or Sunday evening or sometime during the week. So I'll put, a, I'll put an email out today. If any of you are interested in being in that group, let me know, and we'll find a time that works for all of us, okay? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right, Doug, so. Anyway, thank you for, for that, I appreciate it. Um, uh, so another thing you need to know is um, that we're going to be approaching this book very slowly, because the principles are really important, and one, and it feels like if you do one Sunday it's not enough. It needs repetition. It needs you know to be practiced. So there are there are four five main chapters in this book. Well, six actually. There's joy. There's a chapter on hesed, love. There's a chapter on on communal identity. There's a chapter on narcissism, and there's another chapter on bringing it all together. We are going to spend a month or three Sundays on each of those chapters right so next week we're going we're going to do joy, and the two weeks following, which is the rest of january we'll be we'll be looking at joy and how it where it comes from i'll speak, Linda will speak, Scott will speak, and then the next month we'll do Hased all right so anyway, let me pray um, yeah so Lord, thank you that uh there is a way forward for us to become more like you. Thank you that you do, you will give us hope. Thank you that it is possible um, with your presence to love as you loved us in the midst of this, um, this pandemic, in the midst of the struggles that we've been having. Thank you for the examples we've seen in others' lives, and may we become an example as well of your love for the world. Um, help us to be more and more like you, I pray.